Thank you. If you draw with me in your Bibles this morning to Revelation chapter 2. I don't say that very often, do I? Turn to Revelation. To be honest, we aren't going to spend a lot of time in Revelation this morning, but we're going to start there. Revelation chapter 2 and verses 8 through 11. We're continuing our series of uh, sermons on the personal work of the Holy Spirit and now the gifts, or excuse me, the fruit of the Spirit and we're to the seventh fruit of the Spirit, which is faithfulness. That's why we've talked so much about faithfulness already. Read about it from the Scriptures, sung about it uh, together as well. Revelation chapter 2. This is the letter to the church in Smyrna. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. And I'll read again from Galatians chapter 5, where we find the fruit of the Spirit given. Verse 22 and 23. Where the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And again, that is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these times together, how rich it is uh, to spend time with your people in worship. And we thank you so much for your Spirit's presence with us, his work in our hearts, and we pray that you would continue to build us into what you would have us to be by producing in us, by your Spirit, more and more of the fruit that gives evidence of our faith in you and our love for you. We pray your blessing now upon this time together in your word, and we ask it for Christ's sake. Amen. A faithful friend. Not much in life more valuable than that, is there? I'm sure each one of you can think of people in your life who've been faithful to you through the years. People who've stood by you in good times and bad, through days of joy and days of sorrow, through times of prosperity and times of adversity. They are special people, aren't they? The people who have been faithful to you through the years are the people that you can depend upon and the people you can turn to even in the most difficult times of life. And that's what we're talking about when we come to the seventh evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in the life of a believer. It's not just faithfulness, however, to each other and faithfulness in our relationships, but it's also faithfulness to God as well. A Spirit-filled Christian, a believer who is filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, is a faithful person, a faithful friend, 
a faithful Christian, a faithful husband, a faithful wife, a faithful parent, a faithful employee. It covers every area of life. Faithfulness flows from faith. If you have a King James Version of the Bible, you'll notice that this fruit of the Spirit is listed as faith. But the Greek word Paul uses here takes us a step beyond faith to faithfulness. But what you need to understand is those two concepts are very closely related. Your faithfulness flows from your faith. The stronger your faith in God, the greater will be your faithfulness. Contrary, the weaker your faith, the weaker will be your faithfulness to God. It all boils down to trust, doesn't it? Faith is trust. It is confidence. It is belief. We believe in God. We trust in God. We have confidence in God. And as a result of our faith in God, then we're able to be faithful to God. What a tremendous exhortation Christ gives to the church in Smyrna where he tells them into verse 10, Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Now that exhortation is given in the midst of Christ telling them that bad times are coming. They're going to suffer. They're going to be thrown into prison. They're going to endure persecution. And yet in the context of that, Christ tells them, you be faithful. Faithful even until death. J. Gresham Machen was a Presbyterian pastor and scholar uh, was one of the founders of Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia and J. Gresham Mason had that inscribed on his tombstone be faithful until death what a great testimony that is and what a great exhortation that kind of faithfulness that kind of uh, devotion that kind of continued commitment is an evidence of the Spirit's work in the life of a believer. And again, it's one of the evidences of the fruit of the Spirit. This morning I want to look at just two basic aspects of faithfulness. One is our faithfulness to God, and the other is our faithfulness to others. So first then, how does this fruit of the Spirit of faithfulness impact or affect your relationship with God? Again, you need to understand that all these fruits of the Spirit are byproducts. There aren't things we muster on our own. They're again called the fruit of the Spirit. There are things the Spirit of God grows in us. They are manifestations of His presence and His work in our lives. They aren't natural qualities. They aren't things that we do our own. They are things God produces in our lives. Spiritual characteristics, spiritual traits that the Spirit of God produces in the lives of his people. And so there's a sense in which this faithfulness is something God does in us, that God produces in our lives, just like the other evidences of the fruit of the Spirit as well. Now, as we've seen, each one of these evidences of the fruit of the Spirit is a reflection of some aspect of the character of God. One of the things we lose sight of is that God calls upon us to be like himself. We're exhorted in the Bible to be holy as God is holy. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, 
you'll find Peter giving us that very exhortation. 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And part of the pursuit of holiness is the pursuit of these evidences of the fruit of the Spirit. We've seen that the first six evidences of that fruit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, are all manifestations of who God is. What we see this morning is faithfulness is the same thing. God is faithful. And part of our pursuit of being like Him, of being holy as He is holy, is to be faithful ourselves as well. It is one of the basic, fundamental, and glorious truths of Scripture that God is faithful. And to say that God is faithful is to say that he is completely true to himself and to his promises. Listen to me now. God is one in whom you can have confidence. He's one upon whom you can depend with absolute certainty. He is one in whom you can trust without any doubts. When God says something, you can believe it. If God says something is going to happen... You can expect it to happen. God's faithfulness is based on the fact that He does not change and that His Word is always sure. You see, to say God is faithful is to to mean that God is always there. He has promised never to leave you and never to forsake you. So no matter where you are, no matter what you encounter, no matter what you experience in life, God is always there. He is a constant companion, and He is a faithful friend. Remember I started this sermon by talking about a faithful friend. The great value that a faithful friend is to us. That's what God is. God is the faithful friend par excellence. He never quits on us. He never abandons us. He never goes back on His Word. He never fails in His commitments to us or His love for us. Now, just as God is faithful to us, we are also to be faithful to Him. That is, God demands from us faithfulness. He demands loyalty. He demands commitment. You know, when Jesus called his disciples to himself, he said, come, follow me. And that was a call to commitment. It was a call to loyalty. They were to abandon all their other loyalties and give their primary loyalty to him. So much so that Jesus said, if you don't love your father and mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you put your hand to the plow, make a commitment to me to follow me, and you look back, you're not worthy of me. Jesus calls us to commitment and to faithfulness. And that means regardless what twists or turns our lives may take, 
we are to remain committed to the Lord. It means no matter what God calls us to do, we will embrace it with courage and with all our might. It means that no matter how dark the road, how difficult the path, how painful the experience, how grievous the circumstances, we keep on keeping on for the Lord, trusting daily in Him. I've had you praying over the last couple of months for my first cousin Dwight Erickson and his family. Ten weeks after he was first diagnosed with his cancer, Dwight was dead and 51 years of age. We, their lives, Dwight and Carla's lives, suddenly, upon his diagnosis, began to spiral out of control. From one diagnosis to another, from one doctor to another, from one hospital to another, from one treatment to another. Until finally, uh, that almost without pause, that disease took his death. I've been impressed uh, during this time by his wife's faith and faithfulness. Now, through this turbulent time, she has remained committed in her faithfulness to God. I, I shared with you some weeks ago something that she said right at the very outset of this disease and how they were trusting in God for the results. Well, after he had been brought home and placed under hospice care, and he only lived about less than 48 hours after being brought home, uh, it was clear he wasn't going to live much longer. And Carla wrote this. She said, keep smiling. Remember, just because God didn't perform the miracle for which we were looking doesn't mean he couldn't. What a tremendous statement of faith and faithfulness. We ask, we ask, and God didn't, but we trust Him still. And she remained faithful to Him. But see, that's what God calls us to be. He calls us to be faithful to Him regardless. And that's what the Holy Spirit enables us to be. He enables us to be faithful, producing in us this fruit of the Spirit known as faithfulness. But, but, you know, faithfulness is not just trusting God in hard times. Faithfulness also is just living for God and living with God on a daily basis. Do you realize this is a part of faithfulness? Worship is a part of faithfulness to God. God calls upon us to be a worshiping people. Hebrews exhorts us, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Faithful people are worshiping people. When you join the church, you make a vow to support the church to the best of your ability in its worship and its work. And you support its worship by your presence. And you support its work by your time and your talents and your gifts and your offerings. It's faithful to God. Lord's day after Lord's day after Lord's day coming together to worship with His people. Faithfulness is obedience. Every day seeking to be obedient to God's law and commandments. Seeking to be the person He's called you to be. No matter how strong the temptations may be or 
how great the lure of your peers may be as they try to influence you to walk a different path. Faithfulness manifests itself in private devotion, in reading your Bible, in praying, in seeking the Lord's face. Now I know we all struggle. We all struggle with faithfulness, don't we? We struggle to be faithful in our love for God, our trust in God, and our commitment to God. But the Apostle gives us a wonderful promise. Apostle Paul gives us a wonderful promise in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's in verse 23. We believe that's a, a saying that was being quoted, kind of like an early creed in the early church. But in 2 Timothy 2 verse 13, 2.13, he says this, If we are faithless, he, that is God, remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Listen to that now. If we are faithless, God remains faithful. God's faithfulness to you is not based upon your faithfulness to him. God's faithfulness to you is based solely upon his character. You know how it is when someone has disappointed you or embarrassed you or broken a promise to you or failed in keeping a commitment to you. Sometimes you just want to turn your back on them, don't don't you? Sometimes you just don't want to have anything else to do with that person. That's how we operate. But that's not how God operates. Even when we are faithless, He remains faithful. And there's no greater illustration of that than God is dealing with His people Israel. You know, God had made some tremendous commitments, promises to Israel. To Abraham, He said, I'll give you many descendants, and to those descendants I'm going to give the land of Canaan. It's hundreds of years. And through all those wanderings in the wilderness... What did the people of Israel do? They rebelled. They sought other gods. They were unfaithful. They were disobedient. And yet, what was the one constant thing through those hundreds of years? It was God's continued faithfulness to them. And God's faithfulness to the promises He had made to Abraham, lo, those many years before. So that in spite of who they were and in spite of what they did, God remained faithful. And Abraham ended up with many descendants and those descendants ended up in the promised land of Canaan. That is the promise that we have. That God remains faithful to us. So remember that our faithfulness to Him is response to His faithfulness to us. Remember that now. Your faithfulness to God is to be a response to your understanding, your appreciation, your experience of God's faithfulness to you. I give a devotional each uh, month to the, the elders and deacons when they meet together in this Past Monday, I gave a devotional from Deuteronomy 10. 
where God says that he requires of his people that they fear him, they walk in his ways, they love him, that they serve him, and they keep his commandments. Five pretty, pretty intense exhortations. But what I pointed out to those officers of the church is that even though those are ambitious exhortations, we aren't left to ourselves to kind of come up with it our own. Our living that way is in response to our understanding of who God is and what God is like. We are a theologically driven church, and there's a reason for that. It's because the Bible is theologically driven, and our lives flow from our theology. That is, who we are flows from our understanding of who God is. Your faithfulness comes from His faithfulness. The more you understand how faithful He is, the more faithful you will be in turn to Him. So, that's the first point. I spend most of my time this morning on the first point. Relax, the second point is much shorter. But how's our faithfulness show itself. How does this fruit of the spirit of faithfulness show itself, show itself in our relationship to others? It seems to me it boils down to two things. Keeping your promises and keeping your vows. As we've seen, uh, God's faithfulness is in part his keeping his promises and the vows he's made to us. And we're faithful in keeping our vows to God and our vows to other people. So there's a close connection between this evidence of the fruit of the Spirit and your integrity. To show faithfulness on a daily basis is simply to live with integrity. That means living consistently from one day to the next. You know, the basic root of God's faithfulness, as we've seen, is that He does not change. He doesn't act one way one day and completely differently another day. And that's the root of what it means for us to be faithful too. It's for us to be consistent. You see, your values do not change based upon the company you keep. Your priorities don't change based upon the priorities of others around you. Your behavior does not change when you are alone and people are not looking. Faithfulness is consistency. Faithfulness is also keeping your word. A man of faithfulness is a man of truthfulness. The book of Proverbs is full of warnings about lying, deceit, avoiding the truth, misrepresenting the facts. The Bible says that someone who has a consistent problem telling the truth has a deep spiritual problem. In fact, if you can't tell the truth consistently, probably not converted. Proverbs tells us one thing God hates is a lying tongue. Why do I bring that up here? It's because telling the truth is a part of faithfulness. How can people trust us if we don't tell the truth? Faithfulness is being true to your word. If you say it, do it. If you make a commitment, keep it. If you promise someone you'll be somewhere, be there. It is a matter of our faithfulness to the Lord's 
goodness to us and then to apply it to our home and families as I've been trying to do all the way through this series. Faithfulness means that you keep the vows that you made when you're married and when you baptize your children. When you stand before God and make vows in the presence of God and these witnesses to your spouse, God expects you to be faithful to them. You're promising to be committed to them above all others. Promising to forsake all others to give yourself to them alone. Promising to stay with them for the rest of your life. Promising to do that regardless if they are healthy or sick whether they're the jackpot or end up in poverty, whether they're in good times or bad. Faithfulness is keeping your word, keeping your promises, keeping your vow that you made. In our context here in the Presbyterian Church, when we baptize our children, we again take vows. You promise to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to teach them the truths of our faith, to pray with and for them, and to give them every opportunity to embrace Christ as their Savior. A significant part of being a parent is being faithful to the vows you make before God to raise that children that way. See, vows are important. Vows are important to God. The Bible says it's better not to make one than to make it and not keep it. In every wedding ceremony I perform, I say that. I tell the couple in private in counseling, and I warn them ahead of time that when we get to the vows, I'm going to say something about the significance of the vow. And I tell them publicly, better for them not to make it than to make it and not keep it. Vows, promises, commitments are a part of our faithfulness. It's an essential part of everyday life. One more verse before we close. Proverbs 25. Again, the book of Proverbs is a rich book about faithfulness, integrity, truthfulness. While you're turning there, I'll just tell you, if you're having trouble, I tell people this, if you're having trouble devotionally, having trouble reading your Bible on a daily basis, just read a chapter of Proverbs every day. There are 31 chapters in the, in the book, 31 days in most months. You can keep up with where you are. Just look at the calendar. You know what day you're supposed to, what chapter you're supposed to read that month. I still do that. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 19. Like a bad tooth and an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in a time of trouble. Like a bad tooth and an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man. You know, a, a, a bad tooth hurts, doesn't it? And it's precarious. It's precarious to try to walk up a slippery slope. 
Proverbs says that's what it's like. When you put your trust in a faithless person, it's painful and it's precarious. Faithfulness is such an important quality of life. So let's pray. Let's pray that God would show us more and more how we can be faithful people. Faithful to Him, faithful to others. Manifesting every day more and more of this wonderful fruit of the Spirit. Being faithful as He is faithful. Before each other, before a watching world. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. And we thank You for its power in our lives. And I pray that it would be that way for us today that you would make us faithful people as we understand more of your faithfulness to us. We pray in Jesus' name.